Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I can hardly wait to get today started. I have my friend John Somerville in studio, and we're going to be talking about God's uh, purpose, our God's will for our lives. It's going to be a great hour. We're going to open up the phone lines a little bit later. If you're maybe struggling with what's God's will or purpose for you, you may have some questions in the second half of this hour, but stay tuned as we get things started. I'm also looking at a verse that was brought up on yesterday's show out of 1 John chapter 5. In verse 20, it says, We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So that's a such a... Amazing verse. I love it. It's just such great confidence we have, and it's confidence that God gives us. All right, Pastor John Somerville is in studio, so let me take 60 seconds and get things started. Statesman Edmund Burke is noted for saying the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. That statement should encourage all of us to engage in culture and be the salt and light Jesus calls us to be. But Burke also said this, Nobody made a greater mistake than he who did nothing because he could only do a little. Now, could I suggest that many who listen to Faith Radio have that perspective when it comes to supporting this ministry? Believing a small gift doesn't make a difference, they don't get involved. As Burke says, this is a great mistake. Faith Radio is fueled by many gifts that might be considered small by today's standards. $20, $30, $40 single gifts, or $10 or $20 a month. Each of these gifts, when combined with the others, form the foundation on which this outreach is built. So thanks for your willingness to do something rather than nothing. Because of your gifts, the gospel goes out and lives are changed. Make your gift, whatever the size, today at MyFaithRadio.com. the show. I'm excited about today because uh, John Somerville is in studio with me and he's been my guest several times in the past but never in studio. So I'm I'm very honored that he uh, made the trip over here and uh, he came by bus and there was three transfers and he's here so he really made the uh, big sacrifice. He is the senior pastor at City Church in Minneapolis and that's citychurchmpls.org and he's a brilliant communicator and gentle soft spirit and What we're going to talk today about is, uh, does God have a blueprint for your life? Does God have a blueprint for your life? What a great question. John, welcome to the show. It's great to be here again. And and I know you have a car. I know you drove over here, but thanks for coming over. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's, it's delightful to be here. Yeah. And you just, uh, right before we started, you had your Bible open to a passage and you were sharing it, and I love it, and I would love the listeners to hear it as well. Yeah, I was reading Psalm 18 last week, and just a, a verse really stuck out to me, um, kind of jumped out. I think it's verse 19. And uh, the, the psalmist is writing about 
troubles with enemies and other other opposition. And then he says, he has brought me into a spacious pr- place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. I just, uh, Isn't that crazy? I, I just wrote that it. down in my journal, and I've been uh, looking at it every day since. Yeah. I, he delights in us. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. So the bigger question is, um, God delights in us, which is great, but does God have like a blueprint for your life? I mean, certainly one of the most important questions we ask as believers is, how can I know God's will for my life? Um, there's always the big questions. Oh, am I going to go to college? And if I am, where am I going to go to college? Um, and then maybe the next question, the biggie might be, what major would I have? Because that would maybe determine my career, which is a big deal. Um, then what job should I take? And then even the questions get bigger. Who should I marry? And so on. Um, and uh, the important questions is, you know, maybe where to live and where to send your kids to school or should I trade in the old car or try to get another year out of it? I mean, we're always faced with questions and we want to, we want to do what God wants us to do. We want to follow God's will. We want to, um, we want to have a blueprint for life. So uh, there are some Christians that say God has a plan for our life and it's our job to figure it out. Now, some refer to that as a blueprint, right, John? They do, and and uh, I was certainly taught that when I was young. I think in high school I captured the idea, or had the idea that if to be, to be in God's will mean, meant that I needed to figure out everything, what He wanted in every single area of my life, and I took it to an extreme. What was I going to wear? You know, <laughs> yeah. blue red shirt one day. Really? Or what to do on Friday okay. night? Coke versus Pepsi? Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. You know, it just went on and on. And uh, one of the most important decisions I had to make was at the end of high school. What was I going to do after I graduated? And uh, somebody once mentioned right around that time, "Hey, maybe you." might be interested in the Air Force. I don't know why that came up, but I thought, okay. And I went to a recruiting office. I took a placement exam. I did really well. The recruiter started calling me day after day. And um, he told me I could do whatever I wanted except fly because I wore glasses. Um, <laughs> and then he started saying, you need to take the physical. You could get basic training as soon as you graduated. And, and I hesitated. It, it sounded good. It, it made sense in some ways. But there was something inside of me that just didn't want to do it. And I hesitated. Um, and I'd always been told that, you know, sometimes God wants you to do the thing you least want to do. And I thought, well, that's the Air Force. And uh, <laughs> so yeah. I began to pray, asking that God would give me a strong sense one way or the other. Um, and I was worried he wanted me to join. But I was also afraid that if I chose wrong, I'd never fully be in God's will again. And so if I messed up, I'd take the wrong job, end up in the wrong, with the wrong wife, the wrong kids, live in the wrong house, the wrong city with the wrong dog, et cetera. Wow. And so I prayed, and I never got that voice from heaven. I never got that. And the weeks went by, and the clock was ticking. And um, eventually I had to make a decision, and I told the recruiter no, and immediately I felt relief, and then I felt panic. Mm. Like, have I missed God's will? And so for several years when things got tough, I'd, I'd think, well, maybe I made a mistake. Um, so that, that went on for probably until I was a senior in college then. Well, that would give a person um, a sense of uh, panic. Sure. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a decision, and it's going to be no, I'm not going to do that. And then all of a sudden you go, have I made the wrong decision? Right. And it's going to affect a lot of things down the road. Yeah. And this blueprint idea, the idea that God has a perfect detailed plan for our lives, that we've got to discover it, that he communicates it through these inner impressions, outward signs. There's this kind of peace you get, I would often hear, and... A lot of decisions I made, I never got the peace, and you know, just make the decision. Um, and then I began to wonder: Is that really the way it works? Um, is there a, maybe a different way to think about this? Is there? 
I think so. And, <laughs> and, 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 you know, <laughs> Good. And, and part of what led me to that was just some of the practical, if you just think about the idea that God has a detailed plan, what shoes you're going to wear, what shirt you're going to buy, you know, what, what you're going to order at dinner, it becomes almost uh, the ordinary decision. You know, we have to make hundreds of decisions a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and if God has a specific will in each one of those, we become paralyzed trying to make those decisions. Um, and then sometimes there are just options that are equal, you know. Um, I think you know, whether you, you get accepted to Harvard and Yale, you can choose. They're probably pretty equal decisions. Or I know I had to make that decision. Yeah, right. Yeah, I chose neither. <laughs> All of us did. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, or, or just a matter, something that's a matter of personal preference. Um, you know, last night I chose vanilla ice cream. Somebody else at the table chose chocolate ice cream, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so if God has one will for our lives, it's one thing that's better than another, we end up agonizing forever. And then there are those that make immature decisions. Of course, we don't, but other people do. Right. And sometimes Let's talk you, about those other people. Yeah, sure. And, you know, sometimes you have a friend who makes an unwise decision and their rationale is, God told me to. And you're thinking, this is nuts. And so is that it, it becomes so subjective that I began to wonder by the time I graduated from, from college— is it really risky to make decisions that way, or is there another way to live? And, and I'm assuming there is another way I, to live. There is another way. Uh, I think a, a way that makes daily life more um, reasonable, makes us less fearful, um, makes us less prone to, to second-guess ourselves, and that is what I would call a game plan. Um, it's consistent with what the Bible talks about. It makes practical sense in our lives, and it, it says that there is freedom— But there is also some ways we can go. We're not on our own. We can find the insight and wisdom and guidance we need, but it's not through trying to find one specific thing in every situation. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that God does occasionally in our lives. Maybe in my life, a half a dozen times in my life, I've felt some kind of direct prompting, some kind of specific guidance that I wouldn't have necessarily had. But for the most part, it's been making wise decisions and learning how to make wise decisions as I go along. Mm -hmm. And that's the great value in following Christ and knowing his word is that you would then put yourself in a place where you can discern better and make better decisions. Right. Yeah. Okay. This is real, uh, real interesting, John. Um, I'm going to take a break, I think, because uh, it's time. But uh, this is uh, Pastor John Somerville is in studio where we're talking about does God have a blueprint for your life? We're trying to Uh, We're going to walk through this, and he's got a lot of uh, material here that we're going to cover. So let's take a short break and be back. We're also going to open up the phone lines. If you have a text question, let us know what it is regarding the blueprint for your life, 877-933-2484. Or if you like the old-fashioned way, you can email me, bill at myfaithradio.com. Be right back. program. Pastor John Somerville is in my studio. I'm always delighted to see John. We're talking about, does God have a blueprint for your life? And I'm just uh, thinking about some of the things we chatted about prior to the the break, John, and it's um, just, I think it's kind of worth revisiting the idea that that the blueprint might assume that God has a a perfect and detailed plan for our, our lives, but it's our job to discover it. Yeah, and I think that one of the problems with that is, uh, again, it makes it so subjective, like I mentioned earlier, also makes us fearful that we will sometimes miss it, and then we'll feel like we're on plan B, Mm -hmm. plan C, or plan Z, 
um, that can create a lot of anxiety. We yeah. feel like we have long ago missed God's perfect plan for our lives. Um, I think God is sovereign. I think God is in control. I think he can take the decisions we make and weave them. Sometimes he even weaves our mistakes um, into things that turn out for great good. And that shows that God is always there and active in our decision-making, and especially when we want to honor him. Um, even things that don't work out, he honors us in those and brings about good. That's what Romans 8 talks about. Mm-hmm. Not that all things are good, but God works good in all things. And in our decisions, I think that's true as well. Even thinking of young David bringing food to his brothers. And the next thing I know, he's battling a giant. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we, we, don't, we don't always know. We have to be uh, ready and available, though. That's right. All right. Let's get back to... Um, the game plan principles. This is very helpful. Yeah, you know, the first one is perhaps obvious, but it's it's the most important one, and that is to check the Bible. Um, the reality is plus 90, 90 plus percent of what we need to know, we find in the pages of the Bible. Um, we find insight and wisdom and principles and even direct guidance, commands that tell us what to do. And so there are so many times when what we have has already been given us. Um, you know, we know that we need to live sexually pure lives. We need to, you know, that gossip is wrong. We need to work hard, live in our financial limits. All these things, uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit, these things are things that we're to live out. And we know that. We don't have to ask for guidance. We have it already. Um, and the question then is you know, we, obedience. We just need to obey. Um, and that is challenging for us because we want to play with limits. You know, we want to color outside the lines at times. Mm-hmm. But following the Bible is the starting point for all of this. So when people are looking for hearing from God, it seems that oftentimes they're looking for some kind of extra biblical message, aren't they? Yeah. And I think sometimes they're looking for novelty. They want something exciting and out out of the box. And uh, the vast majority of the decisions God wants us to make are simple, basic, common sense decisions. And there's nothing wrong with common sense. And that doesn't mean that God may not, in some point in each one of our lives, um, there might be a point where we are, we are directed, we are given guidance to do something out of the ordinary, or something just presents itself, and it's an opportunity we know we need to seize. But the novelty thing is, is maybe a, a, it, it can trip us up. Mm-hmm. But if you look at some of the things, you know, you ask, are, are you willing to obey? That's a great starting point, isn't it? If you come in... Um, contact with God's word and you find something that you find objectionable, well, there's your problem right there. Right, right. You know, it's like, well, I don't, I don't want to be sexually pure or I don't want to live in my financial limits. Well, and I find that sometimes, you know, the second, one of the other principles is asking for advice, you know, seeking wise counsel. And um, some people that know us best often know our character, know our gifts, et cetera. And so I sometimes will have somebody come to me, they'll ask for advice, they'll hear it, and they'll get angry. Um, because really what they want is not advice. They want permission. Mm-hmm. Um, and our unwillingness advice to take advice is a sign of immaturity, et cetera. But what we need to do sometimes is just submit to what God wants in our lives. And mm-hmm. um, obedience is a, is a big part of that. And uh, whether it's finding something in the Bible or having a wisdom figure in our lives who has you know some insight, um, that doesn't mean everything, every piece of advice that we get is something we need to act on. Sometimes we'll get conflicting advice, but we need to be open to that um, and not be immature, um, not be fools. Mm-hmm. So I love the game plan principle. Number one, check the Bible and obedience is not optional. That's right. 
That's right. Solid. Let's <laughs> let's uh, go to more game plan principles. I'm loving this. So the second one that I have is pray for wisdom. Um, James one five. If you if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given you. Now that can sound subjective, um, and I think it is and isn't at the same time. What it does, though, is it invites the Holy Spirit into the decisions that we're making and invites his prompting in one way or another. It's never disconnected from our understanding of the Bible, not disconnected from seeking advice from others, which is the third principle. But praying for wisdom is putting ourselves in a place where we're inviting the Holy Spirit into the decision-making process. I like. All right. So wisdom, uh, we want to check the Bible. Obedience is not optional, and we should be praying for wisdom um, but when we pray for wisdom, John, don't we need to be patient as well? Because God gives generously, but sometimes we don't get necessarily the answer the speed at which we want. No, we don't. And I, sometimes what God is asking of us is faithfulness in the mm-hmm. moment. Um, and we go through times in our lives when we're asked to just simply put one foot in front of the other, um, to be faithful with what we know we've been given to do and wait patiently for uh, a redirection or the next path or whatever it is. Um, and we want to know the end from the beginning. One of the metaphors that I think is helpful for me, somebody shared with me once, is when you're driving at night and your your headlights are shining, I don't know, what is it, 50 feet in front mm-hmm. of you or something, you don't know what's 51 feet in front. Mm-hmm. You only know the next 50 feet. Um, and I think sometimes God has promised to, to guide and give us the insight we need, the wisdom that we need, but he's not promised to, un, you know, to unfold the whole plan for our lives. Um, and we're asked to be faithful in the moment. It's a little bit like manna in the wilderness. Um, Israelites needed sustenance, and what they got was daily provision. Mm-hmm. And, when they, and they were told on Friday to collect twice as much because they needed Saturday for Sabbath. But any other day of the week they collected twice as much, it rotted. Mm-hmm. And there's this day-to-day faithfulness and trust in God that we need to have, that he will provide what we need when we need it. And we can rest in that. When you talk about asking for advice and seeking wise counsel, and I love that expression, seek wise counsel, then the next question might be, who is your counsel? Do you have a select counsel of people that know you, love you, are seeking your best interest, who are biblically solid and can speak truth into your life? I think we need to collect a group of people in our lives that we know we can go to at different points in time when we need wisdom. Um, you and I share a common friend um, who's one of those wisdom figures in my life. Um, uh, we're kind of wisdom figures in both our lives. We've both shared things at different times. I have about a half a dozen people that I go to when I need insight into a specific challenge I'm facing. And sometimes I do get a little bit contradicting advice, but generally there's a direction or at least some things to think about. And we have to have those people. We need to, we need to find them. Proverbs is full of uh, admonitions or commands or, uh, you know, seek wise counsel. So mm-hmm. find people who seem to be good decision makers, who know God, who love God and know us and love us and look to them. Yeah. Everyone should have their own little personal board of directors. Right. A group of people that um, would hold you accountable and that you would, also, you would, you would give them the, uh, the right to... Um, stop you if you do something stupid and not let you and say, we're, we're not going to let you do this because you're, right. you're, you're going off a cliff. Right. Um, one time, uh, one of my daughters, uh, she was in high school and she'd heard about a couple that were, uh, her marriage was flying apart and some of it had to do with character issues with one of the, one in the couple. And, and uh, she said to me, you know, if I'm ever dating somebody um, and you just think there's 
something off. <laughs> will you tell me? Mm-hmm. And I, I thought she was 15 or 16. And yeah. I said, I will. And you may not listen. Um, right. So you know, it, it's really a question of how will you receive the wisdom that we have? Um, that is, that's the heart posture, um, the humility to say, I really do want advice. And I may have a preference here, may have a desire. I need to know, and I need to listen to what this person's going to say. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are not interested in a God that is going to contradict their will. Not a, no, absolutely. And that's why you have problems. Right. Yeah. So seeking advice and, and seeking wise counsel, that's a, uh, a great encouragement that start thinking about who would be on your personal board of directors. If you were to get some stationery and put your name and address on the top and then list on the side margin your board of directors. Bill Arnold, Inc. <laughs> exactly. Who would those individuals be? Are, are they willing to tell you the truth? And if they tell you the truth and you don't like it and you don't want to hear it and you leave mad, um, well, would you still return to them and ask them to still be part of your team? Yeah. And if you if you are initially angry, which can happen, um, you know, just pause long enough, wait, um, allow that to sink in, and, yeah. and it may reveal some heart issues that need to be dealt with as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, because otherwise if you're just seeking and looking for people that are going to agree with you, then you're, you don't really have a an accountability group or a board, do you? That's right. Yeah. Um, so seeking advice, praying for wisdom, and checking the Bible. And obedience is not optional. We're off to a good start, John. We're just going to take a break in a couple of minutes. Um, what is next? I think note circumstances. This is the one that in the blueprint model gets a lot of play. Open doors, closed doors, which is church speak for an opportunity or a lack of opportunity. An open door only means you have the opportunity. It doesn't mean you need to step through it. And vice versa, a closed door can be a sign to go in a different direction or to wait and continue to pray. But opportunities do let us know what is at least available to us. So we need to pay attention to them, but we can't do it unilaterally. In other words, this can't be the only principle. The other ones need to be in play. Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to take a little break here, but if you have a question about God's blueprint for your life or God's plan for your life or his purpose for your life, and I know that I've heard this from many listeners, they're in a state of almost paralysis because they don't know what God wants them to do. Um, We're going to be continuing this discussion with uh, Pastor John Somerville, and so far we're off to a really good start. Uh, Check the Bible, and remember obedience is not optional, that you need to pray for wisdom and God will give it generously to all without finding fault, as it says in James, and to seek advice. But it has to be wise counsel. It has to be somebody that you are willing to hear difficult things from, people who love you and can speak the truth into your life and can uh, uh, love you where you're at and give you good counsel. And, and then we're talking about noting circumstances. Uh, we're going to, I think, pick that up after the break. If you have a uh, question, let us know what it is, 877-933-2484. Or you can email me, bill at myfaithradio.com, and I'll ask the question on your behalf. We'll take a short break and be right back. My 
never start until the horns come in. There we go. I just love the horns. <laughs> Welcome back to the program. I'm Doc, um, Prof- <laughs> Pastor John Summerville. <laughs> I almost gave you a free doctorate for uh, no reason. I would welcome that. I know. So, uh, uh, Pastor John Somerville is in my studio. We're talking about, does God have a blueprint for your life? And if you missed any of this, you're going to want to um, hit rewind and start from the beginning because it's great stuff. And uh, we're determining what the game plan principles are for understanding what that is. And when we uh, went to break, John, right before we were talking about noting circumstances, um, and I would love to just sort of reboot that and get that started again. I think that uh, this is one of the ones in the blueprint model that's emphasized is whatever opportunities are or lack of opportunities, that's one of the guiding principles. And it is in this model as well, but it always has to be couched in the, in the midst of other wisdom information, like the Bible and wisdom from others, et cetera. Um, but circumstances are important, and God often will prevent us from something by just simply not giving us the opportunity. There's a country song, uh, Thank God for Unanswered Prayer, and this guy goes back on his 10th anniversary to a high school football game and sees the girl that he asked God to give him, and um, he thanks God for unanswered prayer. And sometimes uh, a lack of an opportunity can just be an insight that maybe God knows better than we do, Mm -hmm. and we can trust him. Yeah. God has information about our lives that we don't have. How do we not trust that? Right. Yeah. So that's interesting. Closed doors, open doors. That's that's always something that I think people lean pretty heavily on. Um, and sometimes we can misread those as well, can't we? Right. Yeah. So, um, all right, let's, um, let's move on. There's another principle here. Um, yeah, and there are two that I will end with, um, and they go together because they're, uh, they're kind of companions. And, and the fifth one may be a surprise to some, and that is do what seems best. Um, so if you start by obeying what you already know in the Bible, um, if you have got sought advice, if you have prayed for wisdom, if you've noted what circumstances may help you or not, John Calvin once said, love God and do what you please. Hmm. And the idea is that if we have the wisdom of the Bible and godly advice, etc., many of our desires are holy desires. And so in the vast majority of situations, we have latitude where we live, where we work, what we do. And as Bill, you know, uh, I uh, moved to the Twin Cities to work for General Mills. Mm-hmm. And I had two offers I'd narrowed it down to when I got out of my MBA program, General Mills and 3M. Mm-hmm. just happened to be in this part of the country. So there were other places in yeah. the U.S. I could have ended up. But those are the two offers I narrowed it down to. And I wrote out a list of pros and cons uh, for both companies. And in the end, I was more interested in working on breakfast cereal than Post-it notes. Mm-hmm. And I made that decision, and it shaped my life, where I live, who I married, you know, all sorts of things. Um, but that was a decision that I think was an equal decision, at least as far as I knew. And I was able to make a wisdom decision that these are two great companies and I just chose one versus the other. Mm-hmm. I think God gives us that freedom. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes I think we over-dramatize these things, even over-spiritualize them. Yes, seek God, seek wisdom, all of that. But often there is freedom and we need to live in that. I couldn't agree more. When I sometimes look at the Old Testament, I see that it seems at times the way God tells people how to dress and how to wash and how to prepare and everything almost treats them a little bit like children. Right. And then in the New Testament, you almost think, well, now they're, you're treated like adult children. And right. if somebody says to God, uh, who should I marry? Uh, God might say back, well, 
who would you like to marry? <laughs> who would you choose? Well, let, let me give you a pushback I've gotten before. Somebody will say, well, what about Paul and his Macedonian call? Mm-hmm. So Paul is, I can't remember now, it's in Acts 16. I think he's asleep, and this uh, he gets this vision of this man from Macedonia saying, come and preach the good news to us. Tell us about Jesus. If you look at everything that precedes that, Paul is acting according to a strategy. And his strategy is, I'm going to preach Christ where he is not known. And if you look at the map of what he does, he is increasingly going in ever-growing concentric circles. And right before that Macedonian call, it says something to the effect of, we thought it best to do this. Mm -hmm. In other words, it is a wisdom decision he's making. I need to go to a place that hasn't heard about Jesus. And for some reason, the Holy Spirit in his providence and in his grand salvation plan said, you know what? I'd like you to go here. That happens. It's rare, but it happens. And sometimes we overlook for that. And yet, so we need to trust that God can redirect us. But when we're making wisdom decisions, we can go forward. Mm -hmm. I had a a replay of Timothy Keller on this week and on Monday, and he was, you know, He's talking about starting Redeemer Church in Manhattan, which was not a place where people would normally want to go to church. And everybody said to him, boy, you must have had a very strong confirmation from God that this was what you were supposed to do. To do. And he said, no, I didn't. He goes, I, I saw a need, and I thought I will go f- try to fill that need. And if it fails, God will be teaching me something in my failure. Right. You know, there's another example that's the opposite of that, where God does give direction and uh, to, to biblical personality. And uh, it's interesting, he hesitates, and it's Gideon. So Gideon is told, you know, you're going to go fight the Midianites. Um, and uh, Gideon says, are you sure? And he does the fleece thing. Um, you know, one day, I can't remember which order it is, but the, the fleece is going to be wet and the ground dry, and the mm-hmm. next day the ground dry and the fleece wet. Um, and the question he's asking is not, what is your will? His question is, will you be with me? And I think sometimes the question may not be as important about what we do in any situation, but confirming that we are, we've centered our lives on Christ, we put him at the center, and we are asking, will you be with me in whatever decision you've asked me to make? Because sometimes it's a matter of doing something that's hard, but we know it needs to be done, or sometimes we're a little uncertain, but we just say, Lord, would you be with me? And Gideon did that, and his army went from 33,000 to 10,000 to 300, and they did it. Mm -hmm. Powerful example. It's powerful. So is it fair to say, John, that you say to the Lord, this is what I understand my gifts to be and my abilities, and these are some of the desires, and then you step out in faith and take a risk? And sometimes people don't like that. They don't like risks. Well, I think, yeah, we want certainty. They can sit around and say, I haven't heard from the Lord yet. Yeah. There's an interesting proverb that says that, uh, it's talking about the sluggard. It says the sluggard um, fails to get out of bed because they're is a lion in the street. And the, it's, a, it's an ironic or a, it's a joke, really, right. because what he's saying is, I mean, the, the chances of a lion being out there to eat him is very, <laughs> very slim. And mm-hmm. so he uses an excuse of something that is so remote right. as to be ridiculous for not going to work. And sometimes what we need to do is say, you know, God can use somebody who's moving more than he can someone who's stationary. It's a great, uh, great example. All right. So, uh, I love the John Calvin advice, which is love God and do what you please. Um, and I love your point, John, that in in the vast majority of life's situations, we do have a great amount of latitude on what we can do and where we can live. And I'm, I'm hoping that's the truth. 
Uh, there's many people that feel like they're stuck where they are and they don't have options and they don't have resources and they don't have education. So obviously want to be sensitive to that as well. Yeah, and it's it and it is, you know, really in some ways our anxiety about decision making is a is a product of living in a in a world where there are vast opportunities. Um Throughout history, most people have had their lives very circumscribed, very defined. Mm-hmm. Your dad was a cobbler. You're a cobbler. Right. You know, uh, uh, you're a surf. <laughs> you're gonna, your kids are going to be serfs. Um, and so we have a lot of choices. A lot, and and sometimes we're tied up in making uh, what, you, what you might call uh, perfect decisions when good enough will be okay. And the reality is there is no perfect decision. You still have to make a decision and then trust God in the midst of it. And that's really the last principle is we need to trust God with the outcome. When we make decisions, we're making decisions without full information of the future. It's always easy to second guess and especially to second guess others. You know, you should have thought of this. You know, we need to make the best decisions we can based on scripture, prayer, wisdom, advice, all of that. And then just trust God that he will work in those things. And he does. And let God, let his plan unfold in front of you and trust it along the way. Yeah, I mean, we've all experienced, I I know you have in your life, I have in mind things that I wouldn't have imagined necessarily. Uh, The ebbs and flows of life, how God, you see things sometimes in retrospect more than you do from the, from the, from uh, into the future. Mm Mm-hmm. Trusting God with the outcome, that's uh, something that you may be struggling with. Maybe there is prayer requests you have taken to God and you have not seen your circumstances change in the way you, you like. Um, but if, you've, if you have trusted God with the decision, then I guess patience, John? What, what's the plan from there? Well, sometimes we just simply need to, to obey what we already know that God has asked for us to do. And the vast majority, again, of the things that we're to do, um, treat people kindly, be faithful, and uh, live uh, diligent lives and work hard, those things are already there. Um, and trust that God will reveal what he needs to in his time. And uh, and we just need to rest in that. Um, it may not seem exciting, um, but I think in the end, God is more pleased with our faithfulness than he is with anything that we might have in terms of grandiose dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes those things come to us and sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, because I've heard this from many people, maybe I've even uttered this myself. I do want to do God's will, but what if he wants to send me to Africa? Then what? <laughs> well, again, that, I don't go to that Africa. plays back into what we talked about earlier, where sometimes our thoughts are around God will want us to do the thing we least want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I know people that have wanted literally to go to Africa because God has placed that desire in their lives and their hearts and minds, and they have done it and God has given them fruit. And, and, uh, you know, the vast majority of our lives will be relatively simple and mundane. But if you think about the way the early church changed the ancient world, they had very little freedom, but person to person, they loved their neighbors. They lived out virtuous lives. They, when had opportunities, as Peter says, when they were asked to give a reason for the hope that was in them, they shared it with their neighbors. And in 300 years or 270 years or so, they transformed the world from just a few thousand Christians to 20 million Christians by living out faithful lives. And none of them are going to make the history pages, or very few. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we, you know, we get a little enamored with wanting to have dramatically successful lives when just simple faithfulness. Mother Teresa said one time, um, 
we're not asked to do great things. We're asked to do small things with great love. Mm-hmm. And that can change the lives of many, um, ours and others. Yeah. And love changes a lot. It does. Yeah. So uh, Pastor John Somerville is in studio. We're talking about God's blueprint for your life. You might have a question. You might want to ask us to uh, further elaborate on a point we've made so far. I'll give you a quick uh, rundown of what we've discussed if you're just joining the program now. And the blueprint will include the God, the game plan principles will include, uh, first of all, checking the Bible. Of course, that's always uh, the key place to start. And just a reminder that obedience is not optional, that we should always pray for wisdom. And maybe that's something we don't do enough of. Maybe we need to amp that game up a little bit and pray for more wisdom because God does give generously. And make sure we seek wise counsel. Do you have a, a team of people that know you, love you, are interested in your uh, in your best that you can sit down with and and tell them exactly what you're thinking, feeling, and what your desires are? Uh, and then um, uh, note circumstances. What, what are the closed doors? What are the open doors? Uh, you know, bring those kinds of concerns to your, your counsel and say, this seems to be an open door. What do you think? Um, I think God's opening this door and leading me in this direction. And then do what seems best and obey what you already know. So important to remind each other that uh, we are, um, we are we, we're led by the Holy Spirit, so that's always good, and then to trust God with the outcome. So if you make a decision that, that is consistent with God's moral will found in the Bible, and you've prayed about it, you've sought advice from close friends, hmm, sounds like a good move. Time to go. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're certainly open to taking questions. You can send me a text at 877-933-2484, or you can email me, bill, at myfaithradio.com. Be back in 90 seconds. Somerville is in my studio. I couldn't be any happier. He's the pastor at uh, City Church in Minneapolis. The website there is citychurchmpls.org. Citychurchmpls.org. When we started off the conversation, John, you were uh, faced with the idea of maybe joining the Air Force, and you decided not to. Did you think you did the right thing, looking back? I do. I okay. do. I, I, you know, the Air Force is a great institution, and and. I, you, all of us appreciate the people who put their lives on the line to uh, protect our freedoms. Um, just probably wouldn't have been the best fit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I could have done it and God would have yeah. sovereignly worked through my life in a different way. But uh, no, I don't look back with regret anymore. Um, uh, it as an option. It yeah. maybe wasn't the option. As a pastor, you're certainly going to get a lot of folk that are going to come up and say, here's what I think I should do. Um, Here's some concerns I have. You probably have some stories of people, and you can obviously remain anonymous with them, right. of course, but uh, maybe some stories of uh, those experiences. Yeah, you know, I had a, uh, actually, it was a guy who was dating someone, um, this is maybe 20 years ago, and he came to me just locked up with anxiety about whether he should propose to his girlfriend. And um, he was looking for some subjective experiential sign that she was the right one. And so I just asked him some questions. I just said, is she a Christian? He said, yeah. 
Um, is she somebody who is deeply devoted to Jesus? Does she love him? Does she want to follow him? Yeah. Is she a person of character? Are you compatible? And he just kept saying yes, yes to all these questions. Are you attracted to her? Do you enjoy being with her? Do you have conversation that just goes on and on? And he, it was just check, check, check. And I said, well, then you are free to choose to marry her. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he said, it's my choice. And I said, well, within the parameters of what the scriptures talk about, this is someone who fits and maybe more than fits. Um, this is someone of, of high character, all the things that you're going to look for in a spouse. Um, and so you have that freedom. In fact, I think, and I told him, the Bible has a lot more to say about what we're to do once we're married and once we're in a relationship than it does about how to choose. And uh, I don't know if the, my, my, our conversation made the difference, but I did their wedding about six months later. Uh, they've been married for now almost 20 years, have oh. several kids. And it's just been wonderful to see things unfold for them. And I think it just released him to be able to make a decision that he wanted to make but felt anxious to make because that's one of the biggest decisions we make in our lives. Mm-hmm. And you were part of his wise counsel, weren't you? I, yeah, I think I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love stories like that because it, you know, you ask such great, great pointed questions. And if you gave him a chance to think very clearly uh, based on what you asked. So that's what wise counsel will do. Um, you know, you're, you're not feeling super emotional about it. You weren't. You yeah. were asking very clarifying kinds of questions. And sometimes your board of directors can get awfully emotional with you, can't they? And, the, you know, the opposite can be true. I had a couple come to me one time, and they dated for six weeks and said, you know, we just know that uh, we're right for each other. And I said, you may be, but I would encourage you to wait all four seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, they were in their early 20s, and, and I think you're older. Sometimes people can make decisions on that on the, in, around relationships faster. But I just said, um, you know, all four seasons would be a good plan for you. Um, why don't you date longer? Um, they weren't happy with that advice. Um, they did date longer, and they eventually did not marry. And uh, I think just putting pause on their relationship and not assuming that the emotions of the moment, those six weeks uh, that had been so blissful and you know clouded by rose-colored glasses, um, over time they were able to see, oh, maybe this isn't the best thing. So sometimes we need time. Mm-hmm. John, what about the, the, some of the heartbroken people that are listening that made a decision about something? They believed they got wise counsel. They believed... They were making the right decision, and it turned out to be a complete disaster. So here's, the, here's the, the thing we need to think about, and that is the decision is one piece of the equation. It's what we do with it after it that really matters. So I have a, a really good friend who uh, married someone. Um, I think it was a wise decision, but there were decisions that um, particularly his wife made throughout the early years of their relationship that led to the seeds of some things that later led to the undoing and the the dissolution of their marriage. And those were decisions that were made after. And so, you know, every decision we make is not the end of the story. It's only the beginning. We need to live in that. So if we pray for wisdom about the right job or the right spouse or, you know, whatever it is, then we need to live faithfully in that. Now, when things go awry, God has a way of redeeming those. There may still be pain. There may be you know, ongoing pain because of that. It does not mean that things are over. Um, If we've been the ones who've made mistakes, we need to confess it and understand that we can move on, that we need not uh, wallow in our guilt about something. Satan wants to make us uh, feel impotent and uh, make us feel that we have second best. Um, And there may be things that are closed off to us in the future, but it doesn't mean that the story is completely written. We can go on from there. Mm -hmm. John, what's your... uh, your 
um, take on this. My listener just wrote in and said, my sister is considering divorcing her husband. They're both Christians. Her husband is actually an associate pastor, although that's not an issue, but she doesn't believe it was God's will for them to get married in the first place. Seven years later, they don't want the same things in life, and she's tired of feeling stepped on. She said she will be praying about her decision. What would you advise? Well, so here's the first thing. Um, uh, there's a, uh, an ethicist uh, who teaches at a seminary, and someone once came in and said, um, I think I've married the wrong person. He says, you have, <laughs> and so have they. Right. And, and right. the reality is that we're fundamentally broken people. Mm-hmm. As, as uh, um, Kierkegaard, I think it was Kierkegaard or Immanuel Kant said, we're crooked timber. Mm-hmm. You know, we are people who uh, have some level of brokenness and sinfulness in us, which means that whenever we put two people together, there are going to be problems. Um, so the fact that it hasn't worked out swimmingly is not, does not mean that divorce is inevitable. Um, it means that we need to redouble down and recommit to work to build, rebuild trust, to build a relationship. And so, you know, the scriptures say that God hates divorce. Now, there are some situations where there's abuse or something else going on where that may be what is needed. It is not God's best, but it may be needed in the circumstances. But the vast majority of the time, those things can be worked out. Just just a stat that may be helpful. If couples who are in crisis wait three years before they make a decision, in other words, they go forward trying to work on their relationship, they are happier in three years than they were at the time of the crisis. And often disasters averted. Divorce is not a good thing. It, it, divorce often is so disruptive in a life that uh, it should only be entered into in, you know, if there's infidelity, um, unfaithfulness, abuse, those kinds of things. Um, but um, it, it, people need to lean into that and commit to work, work it out. Mm-hmm. When she says that she doesn't believe it was God's will for them to get married in the first place, I would love to know more about that. It's probably not possible, but you know, there's, I wonder what was going on there. And I don't know either, but I think we need to be careful about um, a lot of decisions we make without full information. And that does not mean that it wasn't God's will. Um, You know, there are things that we just don't know. Um, I, I, that's a, that may be, I don't know. I don't know the circumstances, so I don't know that we can speak to it. Right. But our thoughts and prayers are with you in that troubled marriage. And I pray that God will give you, um, strength you need to repair. Right. So, um, John, I just love having you here. Well, how, how would you try to wrap all this up? This finding, uh, you know, the understanding the blueprint, the blueprint for life and God's plan. Well, I think that, uh, for me, um, this game plan approach, and that wasn't certainly the term that I used when I first started thinking this through. Um, but it's the term I use now has given me great freedom. Um, it's focused me, I think, on the right things for my own decisions and the decisions of those around me to make certain that we've committed to, to understand what the Bible says so that we have the desires that are shaped by the words of Scripture where we are seeking wisdom both from the Holy Spirit as well as from wise counselors. Um, we're in a place where we're uh, aware of the things that we need to be considering, and then we have freedom. And we can trust that God will work in the midst of it. And we don't have to second guess or be locked up by fear or overthink the decisions that we need to make in our lives. And then we just see how God in his sovereign wisdom and his grace and his goodness to us allows things to unfold. Mm -hmm. Now, when we sometimes say this is what will make me happy, when you hear that, what do you think? Well, I think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus knew what God's will was. Um, he even asked that he be able to set aside the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, he said, not my will, but yours be done. And, you know, happiness is, I think, an elusive thing. And I don't even know that, you know, while it's in our Constitution, it's not in the Bible. Um, the Scriptures tell us that we need to pursue God um, and we need to do his will. And what comes is something better than happiness, and that's joy. Mm-hmm. The joy of knowing that we have done the right thing, the satisfaction of knowing that we're, we are obedient to God and recognizing that we have an eternity to live with him where we will live um, in joy and peace and everything that we've hoped for. Um, this world's not all there is. Yeah. I so appreciate you coming into the studio. Have you enjoyed it? I've, it's been great. It's been great cool. to be here. Cool. It's uh, been a great hour of chatting with uh, Pastor John Somerville, and the church that he pastors at is right here in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. It's called City, City Church MPLS.org. City Church MPLS.org is the website. And if you missed any of uh, this hour, I'm pretty sure you're going to want to hit rewind and start over because you can learn about um, the blueprint for uh, your life and God's plan. And we laid out some, John laid out some beautiful points, some game plan principles. You're going to want to check it out for sure. That wraps up uh, our time in hour one. We've got uh, great hour two coming up. Uh, David Wheaton's going to be around uh, with us in just about uh, five minutes or so. So thank you, John, for coming in one more time. Great to have you here. Here. Yep. All right, we'll take a short break and be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.